The biggest lie I stopped believing about myself that I wasn't capable to do things that I've never done before. Welcome to the Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire series on the For the Love podcast. Today, we talk with lifestyle expert Camilla McConaughey about unlocking our bodies and finding freedom through good food and movement. Hey everybody, it's Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show. I am so delighted to have you today. This is a series we're in called For the Love of Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire. So we've built this podcast series around different elements of the book's content which should seem pretty clear from the title. I am so excited and interested in the community of women who are free, who are absolutely liberated in their own lives, who have ownership of their gifts, of their talents, of their wants and needs and convictions and beliefs. And they are exactly the same on the outside, who they are on the inside. It's just an exciting vision. Like these are the women that in my experience are like bringing the world back to life in every possible way. These are the ones. These are the ones who are living true. These are the ones who are flourishing and thus their people are flourishing. Their relationships are, their careers. It's just, this is the most important work I've ever put my hand to. And so in this series, I'm so excited to bring you the next guest. I think she's going to be new to some of you. And I am excited about that because I think you're going to experience her in the same way that I did as I first started like digging into her work and what it is she does, because she is the epitome of like the book's content, to be honest with you. And her name is Camilla McConaughey. Camilla McConaughey, as in Matthew's amazing wife, Camilla McConaughey. She is an incredible mom, a dedicated mom. She's a lifestyle expert, and she is a really gutsy entrepreneur. She's an innovator and an interesting thinker and a creator. She was actually born and raised in Brazil. Her dad's a farmer to this day. We're going to talk about that, which is where she, of course, originally developed this strong connection to food and fresh local ingredients, which is a big part of her work too. I asked her about, you'll hear this in the interview, but she moved to the U.S. at 15, independent, like 15, cleaning houses, working two jobs, not a word of English. I mean, she was scrappy and gutsy and absolutely full of grit. Like she built everything that she has from the ground up. I loved talking to her about this today. You're going to love her show. Now she's just established herself as this incredible lifestyle expert. She's built this outstanding community called Women of Today. It's my favorite thing that she does, which we'll talk about at length. She's been everywhere talking about it. The Today Show, Rachel Ray, The Chew, The Talk, everything. And it's her heart behind it that I love the most. She loves women. She grew up in a culture of collaboration where women share, where they are open, where they are teammates, where they link arms and build community together. So as she's saying this, you guys, I am like, yes, yes, That's what I think too. That's how I believe too. That's my value too. I mean, I so connect with her vision for women, with her entrepreneurial spirit, with her incredible commitment to serving. Oh, you'll hear her talk about that too, but she's just like a Renaissance woman, basically unstoppable. So I'm so happy to meet her and I'm so happy to introduce her to you if you're new to her. So please enjoy my conversation with the very vibrant Camilla McConaughey. All right. What a delight to meet you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So, Camilla, I have told my listeners, you know, a little bit about you, but honestly, it's just like I'm barely touched the surface of who you are. I love your space. I love what you're doing. I love how you're leading. I love what you care about. I think your story is so incredible. Just 
so inspirational, so interesting, your life, your tenacity. I wonder if you would mind just talking a little bit about your stories from the beginning. Just tell my listeners a little bit about what it was like for you when you were a kid in Brazil. It's such an obviously formative part of who you are. And if you can tell us a little bit about your parents who sound incredible and special and sort of what it was like growing up kind of up to the point where you came to America. Yes, absolutely. What's well, a long story. I'll try to make it short. <laughs> well, I was born and raised in Brazil in Belo Horizonte, which is a big city in Brazil, but my whole family comes from small town. So my mom, it's from a small town. Then my dad is from an even smaller town. And my whole father's side of the family, they're all farmers. My dad's still a farming to today. Lives in a farm and that's the life they lead. It's a beautiful thing, actually, how they go about it down there. And at age 15, you know, I had family here in the United States and in Brazil, it's kind of like the quinceañeras, you know, if you Yeah, of course. Yeah. So like when you're 15, it's like a big, that's our sweet 16 kind of thing. So yeah. you can choose a big party or you choose a trip. And I always being the adventurous one, I always took trips. I mean, I used to take trips by myself at age 14, 13. As a parent, now I don't even know how my parents did that, but I'm grateful that they trusted me and, you know, and gave me that freedom. You know, with my adventure spirit, I went into, I wanted to do a trip and my mom was coming to United States to visit my aunt and they kind of gave me a ticket to come with her and to help out the family. We had a situation with the family happening over here. So we came over to help and that was my gift. But I got on the plane and I don't know what it was, but I looked at my mom and I told her, I said, I don't think I'm coming back. And my mom just looked at me without a blink. And she said, I know you're not. Wow. Did she really? Yeah. She Crazy. said that. She says, I know you're not. So we came to visit, you know, we stayed with my aunt and my uncle at a time. And then my aunt, she used to be a model in Brazil. And she dressed me up one day that I was here. You know, we were just supposed to be here for two weeks. She dressed me up. One day I was a very tomboyish, like very tomboy growing up. She put me in this tight gold dress and high heels. I could barely walk on them. And she took me to modeling agencies. And one of the agencies took me in at a time. And you're 15. I was 15, yes. It was a whole process to start working as a model. I couldn't start modeling for quite some time for a few years. So I come from a middle-class family and growing up in Brazil, we had people that worked at our house that took care of everything kind of thing, but it wasn't in a situation where I could call my dad and be like every month, pay the bills. So I had to figure out what to do. Hustled. I hustle. I sure hustle. I grew up in an environment that my dad, my dad always said two things growing up very early, very early on. He would say to me, you need to know how to take care of a house because it doesn't matter if you're the queen, Mm. if the staff Mm. doesn't show up, what are you going to do? It's good. And it serves me really well to this self-quarantine time that we're having right now. No (laughs) doubt. No doubt. And the second thing that he used to always tell me was, you know, if you marry a man for his money, you are a high class prostitute. Oh, yeah, me. I saw you say that. So I was like, whoa, you know, to hear your father say those words like early on, like prostitute, what do you mean? What, what you know, like what, what's so that was branded very early on. So, one thing I knew what to do is how to take care of a house. So, I went and worked as a housekeeper because I didn't have a word of English. All I spoke was, hi, how are you? How much is this? And sorry, I don't speak English. Um, so I, I was still 15. I was still 15. Um, so I went and started working, um, which, you know, it's funny. You said, yeah, it is a good reminder that I was 15 because, you know, I was coming from Brazil where when you're 15 years old in Brazil, you're partying. That's all you're doing. <laughs> you know, like, you, you do have your responsibilities in all of it, but you know, like I used to go out dancing four nights a week, you know, and 
and all of that. But, you know, it was definitely a big change. I left everything I knew and everybody I knew, you know, but for whatever reason, it just it felt like that was the place that I needed to be. And it wasn't like we were having any crisis of like, oh, I need to escape the country or anything like that. It was just, it felt like this was the place that I needed to be. And I don't know why, but I just knew that that was what I needed to do. I actually love that part of your story because, you know, we know you where you're at now. Like we see what you have built, what you have created. We see you on the other side of success we see you with your beautiful family, but I love thinking about you 15, 16, working, you know, at two jobs, burning the midnight oil, going to class on the weekends, you know, way before any of that, way before you had an inch of success. Everybody, are you doing okay? (laughs) I hope you're taking some time every day to care for your good self because Right now, it's more important than ever to feel healthy and strong, right? Even if you just have a few minutes a day, you got to check out one of my favorite tools. It's called Noom, N-O-O-M. This is 100% not a diet. This is just a healthy and an easy to stick to way of life. That's what this is. There's no shame built in at all. It doesn't operate like that from some of those horrible rules of diet culture. It just gives you tips to help you get back on track if you encounter a really hard day like all of us are right now. And so plus Noom pairs you with a goal specialist and a community of other Noomers so that you can connect with people kind of going through the same things right now. And I think we're all in need of connection. Small steps are the ones that make big progress. So sign up for your trial today at Noom.com slash for the love. I'm going to spell that for you. It's N-O-O-M.com slash for the love. Just do this for yourself. This is an investment in yourself because you are 100% worth this effort. Noom.com slash for the love to start your trial today. All right, back to our show. I am so curious, like if you can pinpoint what it was either in you or what it was you were thinking or what your parents had sort of instilled in you that allowed you to stay so focused on hope, on where you thought you were going, on what your dreams and aspirations were in that moment. Because that had to have felt not just exhausting, but probably discouraging. I wonder what it was in you that allowed you to keep going right there at that time and at that age. For me, I think faith was a big thing because anytime I was focused on, I always wanted to do better. So I knew deep inside that I had a bigger mission. I just didn't know what it was. And I trusted that with time and as long as I did the right thing, that it would reveal it to me what it was, right? And don't take me wrong, I'm still working on it, right? I feel like the mission is changing, right? Over the years, it keeps changing. But I had the times where like, you know, because I went from cleaning houses to working in restaurants to then start modeling, to move to New York, then I'm, you know, living all over the world. But I had moments where nothing was working. So I had two fundamental moments for me it was one of those situations that's like, oh, I was in Brazil. You know, it was my first time going back to Brazil after four years or five years after without seeing my dad. And I went back and I have everything is done. I have the paper. It's approved. Everything. I'm just going to get my passport stamped. And I get there and they say, oh, it's all this. Anyway, it was this bigger problems that I had no idea that was happening that the lawyer did wrong. So it was one of the situations where it was nothing I could do over there in Brazil. And I remember making a phone call to a different lawyer on the street, on the payphone in Brazil, outside the consulate. And I got off the phone with him and he was like, it is not much we can do from you there. Right. And I remember getting off the phone, hanging up the phone right there in that payphone. I just prayed. And I said it out loud. I say, God, if you have a bigger mission for me, you get me back there. 
And I will stay focused and I will fight for whatever it is. And I'll keep trying my best to do the right thing. But you take me there. You get me the solution because it's out of my hands. And if that's not it, then keep me here and let me go back to being a kid. You know, like, let me go back to being a teenager. And I prayed really hard and I cried and I just had a relief feeling. And I walked back inside the consulate and... This lady came out and she helped me figure it out. We got all the information. Somehow everything worked out. Wow, that very minute. I was the last person out of the consulate. Like after they closed, I was inside and I walked out of there at nighttime with my passport stamped. Incredible. Ready to come. Quick break for a read aloud. A little story time for me. Because I think what Camilla was just talking about is so real. Like when you have this dream, this vision for your life in your head and you are just coming up against like obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, it is easy to want to throw in the towel at that moment. When you're 15 living in a country where you don't speak the language, cleaning houses and just kind of scraping to get by, right? Like... That is where discouragement lurks. And it makes me think about the people that we have in our lives who are either going to cheer us on in that moment, not just when we're succeeding. It's easy to have cheerleaders then. I mean, back then at that spot where it's not working yet, where there is no success to be seen yet. That's a good time to evaluate the people in our life because they're more or less going to react in two ways. They're either for you or they're going to pile on to the discouragement. And honestly, in my experience, their reaction usually depends on two things. Are they actually in the arena or are they on the sidelines? And those generally arc together. And so I wrote about this in Fierce, Free and Full of Fire. Here is what I wrote. Here's a little read aloud from it. When folks are running their own race, they are thrilled to see other runners lace up their shoes. It's the ones in the camp chairs on the sidelines with a natty light, booing the new runners and hoping you'll get disqualified. How much power do you want to hand over to those guys? While it is good to be prepared for any number of reactions, decide in advance that you are not asking for permission. Now you may appropriately be open to feedback, of course, but not dismissal. This is a huge part of becoming an integrated woman. You have agency over your own life and it's not up for grabs. Okay, it's not, it's not up for grabs. It's true, you guys, you own your own life. You own it, no one else does. Okay, all right, let's get back to Camilla. The other one was when I was in New York working as a modeling and nothing was working. Like I went to a cold stage, nothing was working. And I was really tired of swimming, swimming and dying right before you get to the beach, right? My family were having problems. By then I had already moved my mom in and my father and my brother, like slowly everybody moved to the United States. It was some problems going on over there. And, you know, it was just a crazy time. And I decided to leave New York and come to stay with my family in Los Angeles for a bit to help out with the situation. And I remember getting on the plane one more time, just crying and going, I'm tired. I am tired. I'm like, I can't keep doing this. And I remember praying and saying, I give, I give, you take me. That was the second time I've done that. I said, you take me where I'm supposed to go. And sure enough, I used to say that I would never leave New York ever, you know, and I was going to marry somebody in New York. At the time, I only dated dark skinned men. It was like, that's it. You know, it was the hip hop kind of thing. And I was like, I landed in L.A. And as soon as I landed, I had three voice messages of jobs, which L.A. was not a place, a strong market for modeling. And I just started working and it kept me here in LA and I was able to help my family. And in that time that I was here, I ended up staying way longer than I was supposed to. And in that time, that's when I met Matthew, my husband now. It just is what it was supposed to be all along. How did you guys meet? We met at a bar. (laughs) 
<laughs> that old story. We met at a bar on Sunset Boulevard. It's a really cool story, but I'm going to tell you that I butched the story pretty badly. My husband is the best one to tell the story. And I have been told that he did. Gosh, what is the, what is the, oh my goodness. What is his name? The guy with the radio station. He's got curly hair. Howard Stern. Oh, Howard Stern. Sure. That I've been told that he, Matthew gives a very good telling of it. Yes. Yes. I haven't heard it, but it might be worth checking out because I will do a horrible job. Oh my story. goodness. Okay. Well, we'll link to that so we can hear his version of it. And like my kids always tell me, cause I'm kind of the storyteller in the family too. And they're like, mom, when you tell the stories, it's like 90% how it really went. And like 10% embellishment. I'm like, well, so what? That's my prerogative. And if that's how I want to tell it, that's how I want to tell it. You're like, but it's good, right? It's good. People like it. It's more fun. I'm like, our lives are 90% interesting and 10% boring. And so we're going to like up that 10%. So one thing that I really love about your work is you've got this entrepreneurial sort of fire in your belly, you just are a creator and an innovator and you keep making things up. And so your handbag business with your mom, which she still runs, right? Your mom still runs at this minute. She's still doing it. Yeah, yeah. She's still doing it. Yes. Your own line of organic food for babies and kids. You're a business creator. When did you start cultivating that spirit of creation, like of innovation, of business is that something you saw in your future? Did that kind of come along the way? Did you pick that up from all your, you know, because then you went on, as you mentioned, to travel the whole world. You know, you've been everywhere. You've lived everywhere. Where did that inspiration come into your life? Look, I grew up, my mom is very, she's a creative person. She can do anything. And she has many different jobs in the arena of fashion and I mean, she used to work for all the major companies in Brazil designing, but she can also do interior designing. She can do anything, the woman. So I grew up around that. But I think that from a very early age, you know, again, at 15, leaving everything, going to a different country, having to find solutions daily for things. And then when I started working as a model, you know, I lived in Israel and Greece and you know, France, Italy, whatever you name it. I, I lived all over the place. And again, going to those places, not knowing the language, being thrown, to, you know, all they gave it to us would be like, here's a map and here's a hundred bucks and you have to make it last for a week to survive. So I think that that spirit of you know, always have to find solutions and make things the best scenarios possible. I think that that spirit kind of just got it, you know, branded on me just because that's how I was living. And you know, I always, always want to do things better and do things right. Doesn't mean I always succeed at it, but I really do try to do it that way. So I think that a lot of those things come, you know, with the business, like, you know, with the food, it was like, okay, we need a solution for this. This is not how people are supposed to do it. With the handbags, it was more of a fun thing, but it was more a solution actually for my mom because, I was saying my mom, you know, not being happy. So we're like, let's find a solution. Let's build this. And we did it for over 10 years. We did a QVC. We had a whole thing going. I think that was really how I was raised, watching my mom being creative and then combined with having all my adventures around the world and having to figure out solutions. So I'm very solution oriented. And also Mm -hmm. I don't get phased by things that much. I'm always like, you know, it annoys the crap out of my mother. My mother's always like, can you stress out? And I'm like, why? The real drama is going to come, right? So I think that combining those things, I think it kind of where it comes from. I I love that. I love when innovators are not super risk averse and not overly connected to a really specific outcome, but rather like, let's put our hand to this. Let's start building it. Let's see what happens. It's going to work. Part of it's going to work. Part of it's not. We'll sort of adjust as we go. Like to me, those are the greatest people to work with because there's not a preconceived outcome that you're just white knuckling to death until you get to it, but rather you kind of let it grow and let it be what it's going to become. Which brings me to this. I really want to talk about 
women of today, this incredible community you have built. Really, really amazing. And women have been pitted as one another's competitors for so long. And so I am very interested in communities where connection is valued and women are sharing and there's so much give and take and mutual respect. And that's what you've created. And I feel your passion for it. Can you talk a little bit about women of today, kind of how that began and why that community means so much to you? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think that the biggest difference that we are doing at Women of Today is that we're not talking to you. We're talking with you. So the conversation does exist. And it's not about, oh, let me find what's eccentric. Let me create press bites and, you know, what's controversial or let me sell you a bunch of stuff. That's not it. It's really about creating this community that helps each other out, that learns from each other. You know, I come from a culture that it's very open. The conversations are very open. When you need something, when you're looking for something, leaving all over the world, what I've learned is that when I will be in other countries or even in the United States in the South, I will experience that openness of like, hey, you know, I need help with this. Where do I get that? You know, this happened to my family or did my child has this or, hey, I need a recipe for this. Hey, you know, my hair is falling out. What do I do? Like just totally. Whatever, whatever the thing whatever. is. Yes. You know what I mean? Like the conversations are more open. And if the person didn't have it, the answer, she would be like, well, I don't have the answer, but I know somebody may have it. Let me connect you guys and you guys can have that conversation. That chain is a bit more open to where majority of the places in the United States that I will go into, it will be very closed up. You know, you had your group of friends and the conversation wouldn't go outside of that. So women are today started just in those bases, you know, and it's no, it's funny because people still ask me, you know, what's the business plan? What is the thing? I was like, well, it is no business plan because it's a community base. So the community is going to tell us what are they looking for next? It's an exchange of things where we create things, we share things that were sent to us. People send us questions and they want to learn about this. They want to learn about that. Then we put it all together. We also do events, which the events have been a major part of it now. And again, it's a very different format of event. It's not an event that you go and you sit in an audience and you just listen and you don't have a voice. Is an event where everybody gets a voice. So it's very, again, it's all community-based. You know, everybody should have a voice. Everybody should be able to weigh in and put their opinion and their feedback and their knowledge. So those have been extremely special. And the amount of things that have come out of those events, our stories are unbelievable. And we do a lot of giveaways. I'm a big believer in experience. I'm a big believer. Uh, you know, it's one thing I told my dad very early on when I was living in Italy and I wasn't making much money. And my dad was very worried about me. And he was like, you know, what are you doing? You need to come back home. You know, you're not making money, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you know what, that I'm not making money, but the life experiences I'm gaining by all these places I'm leaving and people I'm meeting and, and the things I'm learning, I said, nobody can take that away from me. I'm a big believer that if you provide experiences for people and they're meaningful, that memory or whatever, that emotional connection they had, nobody can take that away. So we do a lot of that with our giveaways. And it's so interesting because you found yourself kind of in that line of work in some of those countries who very deeply, just like Brazil, value community, value connection, this big sort of open, big, wide table type of community, which has obviously served you well. What has been like, if you kind of had to say, this is this is one thing inside the Women of Today community that has surprised me the most or been the most wonderful result or the thing that makes, you know, the whole community really kind of hum along best? Oh my gosh. It is so many examples. I'll try to pick a couple here for you, but like a lot of the giveaways that we do or a lot of activations we do, we always have like a call to action and the call to action is not click here and follow. You know what I mean? It's like you need to donate to a charity to a family that doesn't have food right now. And it could be a dollar. It doesn't matter what the amount is. It could be a dollar. It could be $5, but you need to donate. And it's amazing when we do those things, how much 
activity happens on donations and how much we're able to help within a matter of like, you know, just five days. You know what I mean? Like the last one it was five days and we helped over 700 families. It's like last minute, let's do it five days, boom, you know, but the amount of activity that happens when we call to action to help others, it's really impressive within the community of women of today. We do a special Mother's Day giveaway every year and it's a big experience. You know, it's usually a trip, it's a spa thing and all that stuff. And, but we tell people in order to qualify, you need to nominate somebody that it's a mother big or something, but they have to write it down for us. Like they have to write a letter why that person deserves it. And we sit in the office, we read all of it, we all cry all day, you know, multiple days, whatever it is. But what that has created is that after the first year we did, I was like, okay, well, all these beautiful letters and, you know, we only have a certain amount of winners. I sent an email back to everybody and I said, listen, you didn't win, but you need to share this letter with the person that you nominated. You need to print it out and you need to share with them. And that has created such a ripple effect in the community of reconnecting, of joy. A lot of some people were going through a lot of hard, hard hardships. It's crazy. But how they reconnected, how they're helping each other and all of that. So those stories like that really makes me like from the events, you come out people, you know, you come out of the events, you have people that starts doing business together or consulting, you know, it's so many stories, but I think it always amazes me the connection and how we are able to connect with people on a genuine level. You know, like in this times now we've been doing this live feed five days a week of on my Instagram, on my personal Instagram, where we do like a session five days a week in, at 11.45 central, where we do mobility work, stretching, breathing, some exercise, but nothing crazy because we don't want anybody to get hurt right now. You know, just last week we did a Zoom call with 50 of some of those folks. And at the end of the call, we did a laughing meditation and everybody's laughing, you know, and at the end, everybody's like, wow, like I feel part of a community. Everybody had a voice and got to speak. And at the end, they're all like, we all need to stay connected. And they're going to interact with each other from that Zoom call. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And some people are at home by themselves, like, you know, very lonely and going through a hard time. So little things like that, that it makes a word of difference to people. It sure does. And I love that you use those as examples, because that's exactly my experience with women, is that there are a lot of really destructive narratives in our world, kind of very baked into patriarchy that have long since just told women that we are each other's enemies or that women cannot be trusted or that we have to fight for our few seats at the table, that women are our competitors. But my experience with women, and I've led them for years too, is exactly like yours. What I see is that when women come together, it is powerful beyond measure. It is beautiful. There's so much reconciliation inside of it. There is collaboration. There's so much good to be had, so much beauty, so many things that are true and wonderful. And so anytime we can provide places for women to come together like you have with women of today, I think it's some of the most powerful work we can do on earth right now. The beginning of so many good things, the beginning of so much healing. Let me add something to it though. Another thing that's different about women of today too, is that we're inclusive. So we have men as well, because we all know that this is not about excluding, this is about including, and it's about community and humanity. So if we can include everybody and make everybody a part of it. We all know that having great men and great women from all ages, again, it's about community. You know, I'm not trying to divide it just, you know, it is called women of today, but it encompasses everybody. It really does. I always have these rogue male readers and followers and they'll come to live events and I love them so much. In fact, I'm getting ready to release a book and I have a launch team and it's like 15 or 1600 women and one man. 
And so his name is John. So shout out to John. And we all just love him. Like we circle around him like a bunch of hens, just constantly tending to John, making sure John is welcome in the community. And he's one of the greatest members of the whole squad. And so I couldn't possibly agree more. So if you're like me right now, you might feel like you have watched the entire Netflix catalog, which could potentially be true. (laughs) Okay. So if you're looking for a movie that'll give you all the feels, plus you can watch it with your kids and make them feel all the feels, you got to check out the new movie, I Still Believe. You've probably seen it floating around. It's so good. You know Jeremy Camp, right? Do you remember the Jeremy Camp, the uber-talented, like, CCM singer-songwriter? So I Still Believe tells his true story. It's his love story with his first wife, Melissa, who was a young woman he married, even though, get this, they knew, they knew Melissa was dying of cancer. And then the story of everything Jeremy went through after that, his grief, how he turned his pain into music and then his career, and even how he met his current wife, Adrian. It's so sweet and tender and real. And if you need a good cry, look, th- this here is your best friend. So listen, you can watch the movie right now on demand, but I still believe is so good. You'll definitely want to add it to your permanent movie library for rewatching when the DVD and the Blu-ray comes out on May 5th. And you know what? Buy a copy for a friend. Wouldn't that be a sweet little quarantine gift? We all need this story right now. It's so lovely. I guarantee you, once you watch the trailer for I Still Believe on the transcript page of Camilla's episode on my website, you're going to be hooked. I promise that you are. So go watch the trailer for I Still Believe on my website, jinhatmaker.com. Snag a DVD or a Blu-ray copy on May 5th, and you can thank me later. Okay, guys, back to our show. One thing that you really serve your community with um, is something that you and I both share, which is a love of food and cooking and life around the table. I mean, of course, as you mentioned, your dad's a farmer. So food has always mattered to you. That's always obviously been an important part of your family and of your life. And so I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about food, what it means, maybe just kind of in your family and then greater in the community. And then since we're all just at home right now, like home, 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 cooking, 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 what's something you're making right now that the rest of us should try at home? Oh my gosh, I am doing a lot of recipes that will last us a long time and with things that, you know, a lot of things from the pantry or how we keep the produce lasting longer. But being from Brazil, I am doing a lot of beans. I actually just posted two recipes on my Instagram that one is the beans. I made the beans with ribs and sausage, black beans. It's really good. And you can make a big batch of it. And you eat some and then you free, it freezes great and the whole family loves it. And it's easy. It is so, so, so easy to make. And I also posted a recipe of a coleslaw, a no mayo coleslaw. I saw that. That our family loves it too. And it's one of those things, you know, like, again, thinking of things that when you go to the store to maximize your things so you don't have to go to the store all the time, like cabbage, you know, cabbage will last you a long time in the refrigerator. And then once you use it, it will still last you a few days in the refrigerator. So like that coleslaw, I did it last week. We, I think we ate that for four days as a base and sides. You know what I mean? We just add some protein to it or eat it alone. But me, Matthew, you know, the kids vary so what they eat. But the coleslaw, me, Matthew and his mom, it was like it was in every meal for about four days and worked extremely happy with it to be honest (laughs) I did that with a huge pot of like essentially marinara just like a big huge pot of homemade marinara and then we ate it for on something or in something for virtually like eight straight meals I'm like guys this is just what it is right now (laughs) like this is what we're doing we're doing all the same things I'm making a pot of beans today you need to share that recipe with us with the marinara sauce I 100% have and will it's like the go-to sauce it can be your pizza sauce it can be your pasta sauce it can be a dip for your garlic bread I mean it just it's very versatile and it freezes well and so anytime I make it I make four times more than we need but yeah I appreciate you saying that because we 
need to stretch the food right now. When they come into the kitchen, they're like, what's for dinner? And it's like four o'clock. I just kind of go, oh my God. (laughs) Why? I know. I was chatting with a friend over the weekend and she was telling me, you know, I pull up the slow cooker and I put all the stuff in and I'm like, you're way ahead of me. I'm sitting in the kitchen just going, what do I do? I'm like, I have no idea what to do. But it's good. I think that the eating and it's something that, you know, everybody's going to come out out of this self-isolation time. Remembering the value of that. It's a big value of cooking your own food learning what goes in, understanding what you like, what you don't like, what works with your body, what it doesn't, cooking with your family, getting the kids in the kitchen, sitting down for a meal together, and even cleaning up together. You know, listen, we don't love all the cleanups every day, but even doing the dishes and all, I think creating those routines, but sitting down around a meal and taking that time together with no interruption of anything else It's so valuable for a family and it's so valuable for an individual too, from the scientific studies of, you know, the mechanics of your body to the emotional and spiritual benefits of it. I'm big on it and we always do it. We're going to keep doing it. And and it's just, I think everybody's being forced to do it right now. That's what it is. I'm with you. I'm a foodie and I'm a love to cook. But my kids are a little bit older than yours. So we're north of you. We're high school, college years mainly. And so what used to be our very standard procedure, which was usually dinner at home around the table together when they were younger, when they're in elementary school, once they hit the high school years in normal world before the quarantine, you know, they have a whole life. They've got practice and they have games and they have study group. And so we had kind of lost our grip on really standard family dinners simply because our kids were growing up and weren't home at nights a lot. But now, of course, it's every single night around the table. And it's been great. It's been really, really great. And enjoying it again. One of my friends decided this year that she was going to try 40 new recipes. And that kind of inspired me too, because I get in a rut, especially right now. And so I think that's great. Like, you have tons of recipes on your website. You've got them we on have your, a lot. Yes. yes. On your Instagram feed. Like it's not hard to get out there and find a new recipe, especially when you talk about like your pot of beans. That's the easiest thing in the world. Put them in a pot, put them on the stove. That's pretty much it. Chop up your sausage. There you go. I am all for those. I want to ask you this question before we start to sort of land it here. I like hearing you talk about your mom. I like your relationship. I like how you talk about her artistry and her creativity, what you've learned from her. It's always interesting to me to see really strong women kind of in our generation speak about the ones who mentored them and the women who led them well and who taught them well. And so I wonder for you, besides your mom, who you talk so lovely about, Who are some of the other women, just over the course of your story, like really at any point along the way, who mentored you in an important way or inspired you? You know, oddly enough, besides my mom, my grandmother, and Matthew's mom, I had more men mentors in my life in an odd way. I had more men's men's mentor in my life. But in terms of women... I would say my mom, my grandmother, and Matthew's mom. I mean, Matthew's mom, she's 88. And she has the most positive attitude. I mean, she, don't take me wrong. She can be hard to be around too. (laughs) Be spicy. But (laughs) she's very spicy. But she's got great attitude about a lot of things. And the way she goes about her life is very inspiring as well. And I have had two older women that are married to bigger than life men. They'd be married for a very, very long time. And they worked, they didn't work, and they work again. Every so often I have conversations with them about, you know, every time I'm feeling, oh, you know, I shouldn't be working or, you know, can't stop with the work, but this is important, blah, blah, blah. And every time I get into that, like I have good conversations with them on how to navigate that portion. 
Yeah, I love the women in my life who are older than me, who can speak into my work also as kind of a working mom, a mom who really loves what she does and, you know, has kind of a big career and real passion for it. And also raising kids, which means the world also. I love it when women can lead us well and tell us what they learned. My mom went back to school. I'm the oldest of four kids. And my mom went back to school when we were all in high school and middle school and elementary school. And she got another degree and she got her master's. And I think about that a lot now as a mom of a big family too. That's amazing. Isn't it? That's I mean, amazing. it really is. Like, I was selfish at the time. So I'm just thinking of my own life. But now, like with my mom brain, I can look back and think my mom was probably studying until one or two in the morning because she's still cooking us dinner and going to our games. And I don't really know how she pulled it off, but. I draw so much strength from women who chase their dreams down, even when it's not convenient or even when it takes like all your waking hours. I just, I love the women who have gone before us. Everybody, I hope you are enjoying this chat with Camilla as much as I am. I love what she is saying about how when we connect and share our stories, we're all so much better for it. She's absolutely right about that. Absolutely right. And during this COVID-19 crisis, it's been pretty remarkable to, as Mr. Rogers used to say, look to the helpers, like look for the helpers. That's where our hope is, which is why I love, love, love talking about International Justice Mission because they are one of the helpers. You know that I love AGM, and right now they are stepping up their efforts specifically to help people in the most vulnerable areas of the world. Now, their biggest efforts, of course, focus on anti-slavery, literally rescuing people out of slavery all around the world, the hugely important work. Violence against people who live in these vulnerable communities goes up at times like this, not down. So because of that, IJM is working with partners to supply food and housing to those affected, while also investigating cases of increased violence and human trafficking right now, which is so tragic and so real. And listen, in Camilla's spirit of sharing stories, I'm just going to tell you, if you want to see some good news amidst the uncertainty right now, Head on over to IJM.org slash share hope now. These are real stories on video over there of the actual people that IJM is helping and serving. They are so good for my soul, and I know they will be for yours too. Okay, so that's IJM.org slash share hope now. All right, let's get back to our talk with Camilla. I'm going to ask you three last questions. We're asking everybody these questions in the Fierce series. We have had the most outstanding people in this series who are just, I'm proud of your life. I'm proud of the way that you're living it. I love how you're serving the community. I just think there's so much good that you are creating and putting out in the world. You're so kind, Jen. And we haven't even talked about Just Keep Living Foundation, which is our foundation for over 10 years. But that's a different story. We did that at a different time. People can go on the website and look, but it's after school programs, the charity that Matthew and I have it for the last over 10 years. But we can do a different session for this because I do have to jump in a little bit because I have a call with the mayor's office. We're working on helping out with the crisis situation. So <laughs> of course. We'll, we'll spend time with that like in the next session, but it's a great organization and we've, we've been doing a lot to help people there too. Everybody, I will link to that. So you can look that up and find out more, but until we talk about the next time, but just off the top of your head, here's the last quick questions and then we will land it here. Here's the first one. What is the biggest lie you've stopped believing about yourself? The biggest lie I stopped believing about myself? That I wasn't capable to do things that I've never done before. Yes, I love that answer. You obviously are. If you just push it, if you push it a little hard, it, you might be able to do it. Um, here's the flip side of that question. What is the most freeing, most life-giving truth that you have learned about yourself? That I can't fix everything and I can't do everything <laughs> on my own. Oh. 
may we all figure that out sooner rather than later. That's still a lot of years from my life. I still wrestle with it, but you know, this understanding that got to be easier on yourself and that you can't fix everything. It's impossible. That's good. Thank you for saying that, especially right now. Here's the last one. And you can answer this any way you want. It can be like a really earnest answer or it can be absolutely silly. It can be anything in between. What is saving your life right now? Right now, at this moment, with everything that we have going on with this coronavirus, the one thing that is keeping me sane, that is giving me sanity, a lot of ones are safe. Our family is safe. Nobody's sick. Knock on wood. Knock three times here. The hardest thing for me is looking at everything happening and feeling helpless and feeling, what can I do? How can I help? Where can I help? Because it's so much that, you know, sometimes I have those overwhelming days of just, it doesn't matter what I do, it's not enough. Yeah, me too. That right now, what's keeping me sane is me picking lanes of, okay, I'm going to help in this part and I'm going to help in this part. And whether one is small and the other is bigger, whatever that is, I'm going to focus on those lanes and I'm going to see direct results on it, whether that it's affecting five people, a hundred people, a thousand people, a hundred thousand people, you know what I mean? Totally. Like, and I think that that is keeping me sane. Like I was saying, jumping on a call with the mayor now, like trying to resource these masks, trying to get donations, trying to just even doing the little life thing that it's helping a group of people that gives me, okay, I'm doing something to help. And I think that is really important for people right now at this moment to think about that. How can they help in their own community, even on the smallest way possible? I love that answer. That's keeping me sane at this time. Yes. Just to sort of hold at bay that sense of being completely overwhelmed and completely ineffectual. If everybody took that approach, if we all just did the one small thing we could do, it would make an enormous ripple in our community right now. And so it really does from small to big, you know, everybody do what they can, but it's the situation of feeling like, okay, I'm froze up because I don't know, you know, it's so much, you know? Great. That's great leadership. Thank you for ending with that. And thank you for being on the show today, right in the middle of this crazy time in these crazy days. It was just really wonderful to meet you and to talk to you. I'm so glad to be like this cheerleader for your work and your spaces. I will link to absolutely everything you do, listeners, so you'll be able to find everything that Camilla's doing right now. But just a joy to meet you. And thank you for being on today. Pleasure to meet you. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Camilla. There you have it. Camilla McConaughey. Beautiful, smart, interesting, compassionate. She's a good leader a really, really good leader. If you haven't yet, go spend some time on her Women of Today website and you'll see what I mean. You will see her values come through loud and clear on what kind of community of women she wants to build and serve, on how she's turning her community outward to continue serving. Like I believe in what she's creating. I believe in her community and and in her. And so I'm so happy that you were here today. I love introducing you to incredible people who are just out there killing it. All right, you guys, more to come in this series, more to come in this month. We are just trying to bring good stuff to you right now. I mean, that is literally all me and the podcast team talk about right now is how can we serve the community? How can we inspire them? How can we keep their spirits up? How can we put like really incredible people and conversations in front of them? And so that's just all we're doing guys around the clock. Okay. With much love from Lauren, her team and Amanda and I see you next time.